0: This is Ginger Taylor, in many words. Justin Trudeau was sworn in as Canada's 23rd Prime Minister on November 4th, 2015. When I first saw the footage of his swearing in, it was weird to me. It was alien. And here's why. This is the Oath of Office for the Presidency of the United States. I, Ronald Reagan, do solemnly swear. I, Ronald Reagan, do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. And will, to the best of my ability, and will, to the best of my ability,
1: preserve, protect, and defend Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United
0: States. So help you God. So help me God. The U.S. Constitution is a contract that serves individual Americans. The process of being sworn in as a Prime Minister of Canada requires three oaths, but it's not to their founding document, it's not to Canadian values and principles, and it's not even to Canadian citizens. Justin Trudeau swore his allegiance to the Queen. I,
1: Justin P.J. Trudeau, do swear that I will be faithful and bear true allegiance to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, Queen of Canada, her heirs and successors. So help me God. I, Justin P.J. Trudeau, do solemnly and sincerely swear that I shall be a true and faithful servant to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II as a member of Her Majesty's Privy Council for Canada. I will in all things to be treated, debated, and resolved in Privy Council faithfully, honestly, and truly declare my mind and my opinion. I shall keep secret all matters committed and revealed to me in this capacity, or that shall be secretly treated of in Council. Generally, in all things, I shall do as a faithful and true servant ought to do for Her Majesty, so help me God. I, Justin P.J. Trudeau, do solemnly and sincerely promise and swear that I will truly and faithfully and to the best of my skill and knowledge, execute the powers and trusts reposed in me as prime minister. So help me God. This was super weird to my American ears.
0: I kept waiting for like, well, where is he going to mention the Canadian people? (laughs) He swears allegiance to a person. Whatever her whims are of the day, I mean, she's generally considered a stable woman, but nobody should be entrusted with that kind of power. But then I remembered subjects of the queen are subjects of the queen. They do not have their own individual separate rights. And Justin Trudeau, who has sworn allegiance to Elizabeth, does not recognize individual rights given to individuals by God. He recognizes Elizabeth's rights and her rights over him and every other Canadian. He is the creature of Her Majesty the Queen. He ultimately has to do whatever she wants him to do. And when you think about it this way, his behavior during the trucker protest makes a lot more sense. His loyalty is not to Canadian truckers or Canadian individuals. It is to Elizabeth. We talk about Western democracies and we think about Canada, Australia, and Britain as a democracy like we are a democracy, but we are very different. And while we all have these democratic structures that appoint governments, our government serves at our pleasure, but the governments of Canada and England and Australia serve at the Queen's pleasure. And she has the power to dissolve governments. If she doesn't like how it's going, she can dissolve Parliament and she can fire the Prime Minister and she can end whatever governmental structure that she likes and make them start over again. It's helpful to think of Canada as an old fashioned kingdom because it is. It has the trappings of US democracy, but it is not foundationally like our democracy. It's all seemingly very polite. Everybody loves the queen, and they genuflect to her, and she very politely makes her wishes known. When the rubber meets the road, she gets what she wants. She is, of course, as all kings and queens, acutely aware of rebellions, um, and that power can be taken away if the public gets too upset. So it's up to, said king or queen, to wield their power very carefully so that they are not overthrown, but they do hold the power. No, in the United States, our individual rights given to by God that are unalienable is a part of our bone marrow. In our bones, we know I have the right to free speech. I have the right to worship God I want. I have the right to have a gun. I have the right to defend myself. I have the right not to be arrested when I didn't commit a crime. I have the right. I know my rights. This is who we are. We're obnoxious internationally because we are so rights focused because it is in our DNA. This is not true for subjects of the Queen. Brits, Aussies, Canucks have more freedoms and rights standing in the United States than they do in their own countries. None of those countries have a right to free speech that is unalienable. You can walk into the United States and say whatever you want, decry governments. You can say, let's go Brandon. And there's no consequences. The government's not gonna come in and storm your house. Well, not yet. But if something you say in New York is considered just super obnoxious, you say that same thing in New York, England, and it can get you arrested. Canada only got a bill of rights in 1981. England doesn't have one at all, but even the bill of rights that Canadians got was given to them by the queen, which means she can take it back whenever she wants. So we need to look at these two different paradigms of how power flows. In England, power flows down from the top, and in the United States, power flows up from the bottom. The monarchy and her colonies see it this way. God chooses the monarch, the king or the queen. The king or the queen empowers the lords and the ministers, and the lords and the ministers then wield the power over the public. The individual is a subject of the queen and subject to the whims of the queen. The individual has no rights that the queen has not granted to her. This is completely alien To Americans, rights are inalienable. We Americans hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is a power structure that, like England's, begins with God, right? We both recognize that there is a creator God who defines us and our value and what we are worth, and he empowers governments. But they believe God empowers the queen. And we believe God empowers the individual. In the United States, I am empowered by my God to live my life as I choose. And I have a power to create my government. I lend my individual power to my state, to my local municipalities, to my county, to my neighborhood. And then in turn, my state lends its power to the federal government. It's more helpful to think about the United States as not 50 states, but 50 small countries that have a union because we have a US constitution and we're all familiar with that, but we all have state constitutions. So I am a citizen of the state of Maine and a citizen of the, of the United States. Maine is in effect its own little country with its own constitution and the US constitution, the contract that all the states have with each other says, you know what, we each work individually. We retain our power to do what we want in our state and the federal government is allowed to do this short list of things. And the federal government is not allowed to act outside of those things. One of those things is health. We have a Department of Health and Human Services, but it technically shouldn't exist and it has no power over my life. Nobody at HHS says you can't do blank or you have to do blank. They tried to do this this year to say, well, you know what? CDC has said that during the pandemic, nobody can throw anybody out of their apartment, or their house, or their rental, or their whatever. They don't have that power. They don't have any power. CDC makes recommendations for a reason. All they can do is recommend that the states follow this policy or that policy, and they have no enforcement power, except to say, for example, we're not going to fund your school system unless you follow our federal policies on how special needs kids should be treated. Or we have a grant for you. If you will follow this vaccine policy in your school system, we will give you money. So they either bribe or blackmail to get the states to do what they want when the states don't want to do what the feds want them to do. But they don't have the power just to tell them to do that. And they don't have the power in my life to tell me anything about what I must do medically. What they do is they bribe and they blackmail with our tax money. The rights over health policy remains in the state. The state says, well, you can't come to school unless you've gotten these vaccines. And the states can rebel against the government and say, well, you know what? We don't want that money. So we're going to do what we want. And in turn, the state constitutions limit the state's power over the individual. So whereas the federal government says, I have the right to free speech, freedom of religion, and the right to bear arms to defend myself, my main state constitution says, once again, rights come from the individual, from God that I have the right to free speech and I have the right to practice my religion. And the main constitution even says that my right to own a gun shall not be questioned. So my rights are redundant, both at the state and the federal level. I have two sets of rights. I have two protections. I have two contracts. I have two constitutions that protect me, both of which that limit the government's power over me and say, you can't go here. And in the upward flow of power, if the people are unhappy with the government in a county in a state at the federal level we can throw out the government we can collectively come together and change the constitution we can collectively come together in a state and get rid of a governor California did it not too long ago and this is all true because in our mindset God empowers the individual not the president the president's just a guy and they come and go and they cannot stop me on the street and demand anything of me The governor cannot come to my house and say, Ginger, I'm happy with how you're behaving. I don't have to talk to her if I don't want to. Fast on the street, she's like, hey, Ginger, I need to talk to you. I can just keep walking. I'm not a subject. She serves the people. She can't even make law. Presidents can't even make law. They are only to carry out the law that is made by legislators and Congress. There's no executive orders. They're not mentioned in the Maine Constitution. She has to obey the law. She doesn't like to. She likes to be the queen of Maine presidents and governors are not supposed to act outside of their job description, which is in the constitution. Kings do what they want. There are no limits on the queen, except for what God limits her to do. She's not somebody who I see who is terribly respectful of God. I don't, you know, Bible has very specific uh, guidelines for how kings and queens and leaders and and ministers are supposed to behave. And I don't look at her life and see, oh yes, I've Paying very close attention to these, nor do I see her paying very close attention to just the regular instructions that God gives rank and file humans. So, you know, she does what she wants, and this is what kings and queens have always done. Now, clearly, she has a sense of duty that is an old world sense of duty that really doesn't exist in leadership anymore, but she will die soon and she will give up her title to somebody who is less constrained to the fierce sense of duty that she is reported to have. Do you remember Alfie Evans? There was a terminally ill child in, I think it was 2018, in England. And his parents, he was 22 months old. His parents took him to the hospital. The hospital said he's terminal and decided that they were going to take him off life support because they were assessing the resources being used and no longer thought this was a good use of resources. Parents, understandably distraught, made a plea for the child to be Transferred to another hospital. An international plea went out, and Rome responded, and the United States responded and said, Hey, we've got ideas and options for this child. Bring him here. The hospital said, No, you can't take him out of the hospital. So the parents went to the court and said, Give us our child so that we can take him to Rome. I think there was even like a helicopter standing by. I mean, kind of people had moved resources in heaven and earth to get help for this baby. And the court said, no, you cannot take him out of the country. You can't even take him out of the hospital to take him home to let him die there. And additionally, they put a gag order on the parents, so they weren't even allowed to talk about it. And this is just the cruelest. I, it, it's, it's an expose of the heart, right? If Christ said, what you do unto the least of these is what you've done unto me. And they would not even let these parents have the comfort of saying goodbye to their child in their own private home. And this is who England is when the rubber meets the road, when you get down to the nitty gritty, the lack of compassion and the control that they were like, we are going to exert control here. Even, even in cruelty, it wouldn't have cost them a penny. And of fact, it would have cost them less. He wouldn't have had to die in the hospital. Everybody else would have picked up the cost if he went to Rome or if he went to the United States. I got into a discussion with a, British barrister on Facebook about this, you know, lamenting that the fact that they don't have any rights, that when it comes down to it, the state does whatever the state wants to do. And public pressure is the only thing they can do. And then international public pressure in this instance didn't work because they just dug their heels in. Court said, you know, you have our condolences and you have our, oh, we're so sorry for you. But, you know, I just call that stuff, you know, be warm and fed. I'll do nothing to help you, but I'll fake compassion for you. It's in my power to give you hope and give him a small chance at a second chance, or even just kindness to let you privately do this at home. But no, I think that really our power over the control of healthcare and the healthcare decisions of individual Britons is what's most important here. So I got a discussion with this barrister and I was like, you know, but you haven't don't have any rights. If you don't have rights here, you don't have any rights. And she was like, well, we do. And we got, I said, but if you don't have any rights here, what rights do you have? The queen can overrule everything. If the court's can overrule everything, they can do what they want in the end. And she said, well, that's kind of true. And she finally admitted it. And then she said, well, it works for us. And I said, well, it didn't work for Alfie. He's dead. And these parents could not even publicly talk about their grief. Their only choice left to them by the courts and the government of England was to go sit by their child's bedside and without complaint, watch him die. So we should understand that we have a very different mindset here. We are the rebels and it's quite different from the mindset that they have there. They are the subjects and they are subjugated and they have a subjugated countenance. Part of it makes them polite, which is great. Certainly we could use some of that, but it makes them subject to abuse. I said empower loves to abuse, right? Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when there is no check on abuse of power, power gets abused. And it gets abused over the week because the strong don't put up with it. As we have chipped away at our rights here, for example, my Seventh Amendment right to sue a vaccine maker for hurting my son was removed. Therefore, vaccine makers have become abusive because there is no check on their abuse of power anymore. They simply purchase governments, legislators, and congressmen. So we would do well to hold on to our rights and don't fall for this stupid lie that if you say my rights, my rights, you're selfish. Yes, I am selfish in holding my rights to prevent myself and my family, my children and my neighbors from being abused. There are times to assert rights. So our traditional understanding of our rights and our mindset, we need to get back to it. And it comes from an interesting place. There's a big discussion on whether or not the United States was founded as a Christian nation. And I don't know, I kind of go back and forth on that. I think that some of the founders are Christians. Some of them clearly weren't. However, they all seem to have an understanding of God based on Christianity, and they understood the incarnation of Christ. They understood God becoming a man. They understood Emmanuel, God with us, because they built a government based on that idea. The British idea of God in the high heavens, commissioning a queen or a king to then lord over the people is a God far away. It is not a personal God. This God is not interested in your daily life. But the American system is based on an understanding of Christ as somebody who did not stay far away, didn't dine with kings and queens, didn't spend his time working up the power ladder, he came to earth, set his powers of judgment aside, and walked alongside the everyday man. And not even just that, was kind and loving to the dregs of society, talking with the woman at the well out of respect, touching, loving, and healing the lepers, and most profoundly, turning to a dying felon on the cross and recognizing his value and humanity. I'm going to read to you from Luke. Luke 23, 39 to 43. convicted, dying felon, and treated him with the ultimate value and granted him salvation, proving that there's no one without value. This is the understanding that Americans had of God and why he lent his power to the individual. Because whether or not they practiced Christianity or whether or not they actually knew Christ, they knew about him, that he was God, and he valued the individual no matter their station in life. This is an alien idea to the old empires. And then they turned around and created a system of government, where even a dying confessed felon has value, right? God gives his power to individuals and then they give it to those whom they deem worthy. So I'm super proud of the Canadians. They're the last people that I would have picked to rebel against the new tyranny. Well, I would pick the French last actually, but Canadians are so nice, but they're fed up finally. And I'm really excited about that. I'm kind of proud of them. It's like being proud of your little brother who like finally has more commitment to getting it done Then you do. And their rebellion has spread across Europe and down to the United States even. Once upon a time, in fights for freedom, foreign countries flew the American flag. And for the first time in Europe, in France, in Italy, and even in France, let me say that, they're flying the Canadian flag because right now we are not the model of liberty anymore until we get rid of this president and this administration and these ridiculous Democrats who are destroying what God has given us in this one country that has followed the model of the value of the individual. We're really not worthy right now of it. But Canada is, and they're stepping up. So it is my hope that they won't just get rid of Fidel Castro's son, the drama teacher who swears allegiance to Elizabeth and not even to his own countrymen, but that maybe they can throw off the queen. Because our rebellion against King George back in the day Part of the reason that it worked is because King George was physically and mentally unwell at the time. Go back and look at the documentaries about that portion of his life from which he recovered. But his mental illness and the resulting poor choices weakened the crown and helped us win our liberty. Currently, there's some weird stuff going on in Buckingham Palace. The queen is not at her strongest Her days are probably coming to an end. So perhaps this gives them a window to say, you know what, it's time for us to move on. Let's hope so. It was the dirty, uneducated, farmer, and random rabble of the American colony that was the reason that tyranny was thrown off under this weak and ailing king. And I am hoping that the, oh, how Trudeau put this? The unacceptable, racist, misogynist, unscientific, intolerables that this rabble may be able to throw off the queen as well. And they will probably do it much more politely. This has been Ginger Taylor, in many words.